Thanks for stopping by. I'm Corey Edwards, writer, director, comedian, squirrel. That's right. Hey, um, you know what I like? You know what's better than knowing everything, not knowing everything? Uh, even going into a situation saying, I know nothing about this situation. Being curious, being open to the moment, being open to the sparks that fly in your head creatively when you no, nothing. So what am I saying? I'm saying before you create, uh, go go hit your head really hard. No, no, that's not what I'm saying. Um, but I, I did uh, listen to a brand new podcast. I've discovered a new podcast. What, what is it? Is it cyclical for one podcast to recommend another podcast? Uh, but it's a vulture podcast called Switched on Pop. Switched on Pop. And it's not about soda pop. If you're from the Midwest and you call it pop, obviously it's about pop music. And... Um, it is like music scientists that get together and talk about a, a, a music that they like or uh, break down why music works or doesn't work. So they introduced me to a band. I guess I'll call it a music collective called Scary Pockets. When I think of Scary Pockets, I think of like, here's a jacket in my closet I haven't worn in a year. And I dip my hand in and I'm like, that's a Scary Pocket who knows what's in there? But no, this is different. So it's it's hard to call them a band because they have interchangeable members. They have like two founding members of this group. And if you like funk music, which I do, um, then you will like Scary Pockets. They do funk covers of pop songs, basically. Uh, you know, uh, Stayin' Alive or uh, Shake It Off or... Uh, <laughs> Uh, what do they do? They did a great uh, funk version of Man in the Mirror, which I loved. So you can go on YouTube and find Scary Pockets. But I bring them up to say that one of the founding members, um, they create their covers in like 90 minutes. They give themselves that restriction. And when the uh, Switched On Pop interviewer in this podcast was talking to them, I was listening to the interview of the creative process. And I, I think we can all take something from it. Um, he said, so you don't go in with a plan. And they said, no, we go in with no plan. As a matter of fact, we just get the instruments together. We get the, uh, some of the best musicians we know in the world together in a room. And we, we don't tell them anything. We all know the, the song we're going to try to create, uh, the cover. But he said, we just start laying down sounds. People just start making sounds. He said, sound is job one. To lay down basically anything is a great start. Because that gives you a lump of clay to build on and someone else builds on that and someone else builds on that. He said, we've had much more success not going in with a plan. And then once somebody makes one sound, somebody make another sound. And then, and here's the other phrase I like, he said, then we just chase that rabbit. So there's the two things I want you to take here creatively is just making sound is job one. And I've often said this with writing, just hitting the keys is job one. Just writing a bad version of the sentence. You're already, you're already writing. Congratulations. And one thing will build on another thing will build on another thing. Just say, I know nothing and just start writing. I know nothing and just start singing. Just start putting paint on the canvas. That alone has got you started. You get over that hump of, I'm not started yet. I don't know how to start. Just start in a terrible way. Just, here we go. And then that builds on another. And then chase that rabbit. 
I love that for the Alice in Wonderland reference, but also that you're just, you're just chasing the wild idea because it's okay to be confused. Um, so I'm going to tell you two stories about being confused. Why? Because I get confused a lot. Uh, I think that people that uh, uh, get confused uh, sometimes, the, the, life is a delight to me. It's a constant surprise because I'm confused. Like when, when my wife and I are watching a thriller or a mystery, she is figuring it out. And, and chances are she's figured it out by the end. But when I'm watching it, I'm like, what? Guaranteed. Every time it's, it's over, I'm like, I never saw that coming. Um, so maybe I'm not as smart, but wow, I think I'm having a better experience watching that movie. Anyway, confusion. Um, I'm saying that because this week we're talking about rom-coms and romantic comedies. A lot of the juice that comes out of that story when you tell a romantic comedy is the confusion between two characters, the miscommunication, a betrayal that if they would just sit down and talk about it, they'd realize they're mad about different things that, that aren't even real. And if they would just talk, they would fall in love. But we need a whole movie for them to be confused about what's going on and about the intentions of the other person. Um, So this is not a romantic confusion. This is just, I just have never told these stories on the podcast. Uh, uh, The the first one is that my good friend, Mark Kiefer, shout out to Mark Kiefer, friend of the show, um, editor and sound designer. Uh, He's been a guest on the show. He is uh, a member of uh, one of the guilds. I'm a member of the Writers Guild. He's a member of, I believe it's the Sound uh, what is it? The Sound Mixers Guild? The Sound Guild? Um, the, the Sound Squad? I don't know what they call their guild. Um, but he also gets invites to other guild screenings. There's a Director Guild screening. Director's Guild screening that he got invited to. And since I mainly work in animation, I have not joined the Director's Guild. Uh, I've gotten very close to joining because of some live action projects, uh, but then no go. So he says, hey, you want to go to this Directors Guild screening? Around awards time, they have these in L.A. And they're always great because it's always in a really nice kind of special screening theater with velvet seats. Like the Directors Guild Theater, you know, it's like they got the velvet curtains. They got the great sound. And there's only like two theaters in this giant building. So, you know, like, you know, it's going to be good. It's not at a multiplex. But they also have a different film every night during awards season. So when I go... I get the I get the schedule wrong. I think we're seeing a totally different movie. I think the movie that night was Superman Returns. This is around 2006, which is a better movie than I remember. I just saw it recently. It's a beautiful movie. Um, I really enjoyed it, the, uh, seeing it recently, and a lot of good callbacks to the original sp- Superman. But I think we're seeing one of the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Uh, I don't know what it's called. Dead Man's Feet? I just... <laughs> Shiver Me Timbers. Well, I, you know, whatever, whatever 18 word title it was. It was one of the recent Pirates movies. I was like, cool, I haven't seen it. But I get there. We're standing in the lobby for 20 minutes waiting for the doors to open. And we are both talking about a different movie for 20 minutes. I'm like, man, I've been looking forward to seeing this, especially with good sound. He's like, oh, yeah, I heard the sound design is great in this one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and uh, you know, of course, the effects are going to be great. I, I heard that... Um, the effects have really improved since the last one uh, that they were trying to make. You know, and we're like both talking about two different movies. We go into the theater. We sit down in the chairs. The lights are going down. And I'm like, you know, uh, and I guess I'm a sucker for uh, Johnny Depp's character. I still think he's great. He says, who, who does Johnny Depp play in this? And I'm like, he plays a pirate. He's Jack Sparrow. And he goes, we're seeing Superman Returns, man. And I'm like, 
what? And the lights go down. And I'm like, uh, that's cool too, I guess. And then, you know, what a surprise for me. And instead of pirates, I'm seeing Superman, which is really an even trade. I, I'm not complaining, but we laughed and laughed about that. Um, so <laughs> for the first minute, I'm just like, so no pirates tonight? Um, yeah. And uh, so I tell that story to tell one more story. Uh, this is uh, another story of confusion with another Mark. Uh, maybe I just have problems with people named Mark. Just brace yourself. Mark Steele. Uh, who will soon be a friend of the show if I can get a spare hour of his time in his busy, busy life. Funny guy, writer, director, um, just a fountain of ideas and energy. And so we, this is when we were living in Tulsa. And if you are having lunch with somebody in downtown Tulsa, you got to park in just one of the many parking lots or corners that you can find parking. So we both parked in totally different places in downtown Tulsa. We've had our lunch at the, uh, at the lunch shop. What is a lunch shop called? The cafe. Restaurant, that's the word I'm looking for. See how confused I get? And I'm a writer. I can't think of the word restaurant. So we're done at the restaurant and we're leaving. But as we do, we're still talking to each other. We're still deep in conversation. We both parked two different places. I'm thinking, I, I will walk Mark to his car. That's that's nice. I don't care. Um, so we start walking down the street, walking down the sidewalk. And then he like kind of leans to the right. And I'm like, oh yeah. So it's probably over this way. So I go right. We take a right. We walk another couple blocks. I kind of look to the left and he looks to the left and, oh, we're going left. We cross the street. We walk down another street. We do this for about eight blocks, taking a couple of turns along the way. We finally get to the, to this big parking lot and we start walking slower and slower. And Mark's looking at me and I'm looking at him and we finally stop in the middle of the parking lot. And I say, where's your car, man? And he goes, where's my car? Where is your car? I thought we were walking to your car. And I'm like, I thought we were walking to your car. And we just laugh and laugh. And then we're like, ah, crap. So we don't know where we are now. We're in the middle of downtown. Both of us are probably several blocks from our car. And so we just said goodbye there and parted ways to go off and look for our cars. Uh, but there was some, some weird human psychological effect of that we were both kind of nudging each other back and forth and along some route, like my body would lean one way and we would go that way and then his body would lean another way. And we just kind of navigated ourselves into some remote location. Um, so that was funny. Um, so there can be confusion even in something as simple as going to your car after a lunch date. Uh, we as human beings, uh, sometimes we just, we don't share everything that's going on in our heads and that can create confusion that can create friction and that's good for stories. Um, so I would end this little talk here. Uh, if you are writing something and it's getting complicated and you're thinking, ah, I don't know how to solve that. This guy and this girl, they both know this. So he wouldn't say this in the scene and oh man, he already know. like, here's the thing that you need to do is probably take away some information from a character. Um, I've, I found that immensely helpful to just start taking information away because there's this thing where you want to like connect all the characters and connect all the dots and make sure everybody has all the exposition. Don't. You can get miles and miles of good storytelling if just a couple of characters don't know this, the same information. Um, I was a big fan of Lost. Um, not a fan of getting lost, <laughs> which is what my story was about. Um, and I get lost a lot. Maybe that's why I like the show. I'm like lost. I get it. Um, but the show would, 
would just ride on several episodes of just characters not sharing the same information. They'd walk off on their own into the jungle and see something crazy and weird and unexplainable. And then they'd go back to the campfire that night and sit around with everybody else and just stare into the fire silently. And like, and I'm like shouting at my TV, guys, tell each other what you saw because he saw this thing and you saw that thing. And if you would just share, you would like solve some stuff. I need you to solve it. So take information away. And uh, that is what romantic comedies do a lot. You will have one character witness an interaction and take totally different information from it, like we do in real life, but in a movie to a frustrating degree, to where you get the audience so frustrated that they're almost ready to just throw the movie away, but they're like, well, I want to see these two figure it out. And when they do, they fall in love. Doggone it. And we keep watching it. That's a romantic comedy. My guest is Claire Sarah. She's written a ton of romantic comedies. She loves to talk romantic comedies. So I said, you come on the show and we'll rom-com together. Um, I don't know. We don't have a romance together, but we do have a lot of comedy together. And we'll talk about that kind of movie uh, coming up. Rom-coms. Are they rom or are they com? I don't know. That's a terrible introduction. But you know who's <laughs> going to help me with the show is Claire Sarah. Claire, welcome. Thank you. I'm here to be calm while we're roming. <laughs> yes. What if it was what was it what if it was a rom calm C A L M? Well, but I think that is a problem with a few of them. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was trying to I thought you would be good in this discussion. I will say as part of your introduction, uh, everyone, if you don't know, Claire Sarah is a friend of the show. She's been on before, but also uh, a screenwriter of of movies you may know like Littlefoot. Smallfoot. Smallfoot. I that's constantly a, call it Littlefoot. That's a rom-com problem, uh, mistake. Yeah. I should storm off now, and you have to win me back. Yeah. Smallfoot, and uh, then, of course, Blended, which is uh, starring uh, Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore, who are kind of like the king and queen of modern rom-coms, I would say. Right, right. Yeah, they were up there. Yeah. And and you were saying, too, oh, you've also been working on so many of them on and off uh, in the behind the scenes. Yes. Uh, why, why is that? Why, why do people are do, do people go to you for rom-coms? Uh, yeah, they do. And, you know, um, for a while, my partner Ivan Menchel and I were writing a lot of sort of family rom-coms because rom-com is one of the easiest to add a genre to. You know, oh, you can have sci-fi rom-com. You can, you know, uh, and we were doing sort of family rom-com. Like Blended is definitely a family rom-com because you can have sort of you know, R-rated rom-coms. Right. So, yeah. Well, it's interesting, too, because, like, then that, that begs the question, is a rom-com, is a romantic comedy even a genre? Or is it just, like, a story uh, type? I don't know. Oh, I would definitely say it's a genre. And yeah. even though almost every movie has elements of a rom-com in it, because you always have, you know, boy or girl meets boy or girl, and boy or girl loses boy or girl, and boy or girl gets boy or girl back. Um, you have, you do have that, but um, with a uh, with a actual rom com, this is one of the things I love about the genre. You know what you're getting, and yeah. the the good ones don't give you bad surprises. Ah, because that I think that that is constantly like. I was talking to you about this off mic, as they say, and like, <laughs> why do we keep going back to these? Like what, like we know, 
We know how it's going to end. We know that he's going to get the girl, but we want to see it happen again. Okay. So it's more about the execution of how, Absolutely. not the if, right? And yeah, I honestly, as I've been thinking about it since you asked me to uh, chat some about it. And I, I honestly think that it plays into a real human need, the same human need that we have for theme parks and roller coasters, for safe thrills, you know, for uh, chaos in a controlled environment where, wow. you know, like you get on a roller coaster, you might even have been on this roller coaster before. You still scream at the certain parts that it, you still get nervous at certain twists and hills and turns. You know how it's going to end. You know, um, there's we have a little bit of a need for chaos in a safe environment. And I think rom-coms give us that in a really charming way. Like we go on a ride with two characters and, you know, we relate to it, but we know that we're safe. You know, this is not, uh, you know, some arty uh, crazy movie. It's not a romance, which could end in death and sadness. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> you know, it's like, I think it's really kind of, it's a beautiful genre because you know, when you're sitting down, um, the, the intention of this movie is to entertain you and tug on some heartstrings. That's yeah. all. That's yeah. the intention. Well, I, I'm also suddenly realizing that maybe it does two different things for two, two different kinds of people. If you are single and you are or you are having the ups and downs of dating and uh, you want to feel what it's like to have a successful finality and, and, and find that person and, mm -hmm. and land the plane, as it were, mm -hmm. on, on a relationship. <laughs> now, me, I've been in a relationship for a long, long time. And maybe sometimes you forget the spark. So I'm, I'm on the other side of the equation. Do we want to go and, and, and feel what it's like to go, oh, does, does she like me or not? Will this date go well or not? Oh, my gosh, maybe she's into me. That, those, those first feelings are so far from my experience now that I get to re-experience them. That's cool. Yeah, that, that's a great point. I love that. And also, I think, too, for people who are in a shaky relationship or looking to be in a relationship, they also get to enjoy all the foibles and sort of feel like, oh, I'm not alone. Other people right. say stupid things at the start of relationships. Other things, other people make mistakes. I've made that mistake. I've looked like that idiot, you know? Yeah. Like so well, would you also say the, the criticisms that this genre might get is that the, we're watching something in 90 minutes that's unrealistic. Like, I don't know that I've ever been in a relationship where I've literally hated the other person for like two thirds of the relationship. And then suddenly I realize I'm in love with them. But that, I think a lot of these movies, they kind of take you through like real big highs and lows where I don't know that I've ever really experienced that. Right. Yeah. Well, and definitely, you know, it's a head trip, like a roller coaster is not like a car ride. Right. It yeah, is, I guess that's a good way to put it. It's a heightened reality. Heightened. Well, you, in, what you said at the beginning was interesting because you said, Oh, you can, you can mash them up. You can mash up this genre with other genres. Yes. And that, that when I was trying to compile, now I, I, had, I had said, let's compile our top five. Mm -hmm. And you, you love too many of these to do that, you said. Um, well, I have a tough time. I generally have a tough time rating things. <laughs> <laughs> is, this your, is this your top number one least favorite thing to rate? <laughs> yes. This would be our rom-com intro. Like we'd be on like speed dating and you'd ask yeah. me to name my top five favorite yeah. things and i'd be like no and then we'd hate each other and oh claire why can't you rate things <laughs> i say, always uh, rating just once. things 
just once I'd like you to rate something with me. <laughs> just a top five. He's a serial rapist. Oh my gosh. I am. Um, don't, don't, don't quote me on that. Uh, but what I, so, so listen, uh, yeah. so here's what we did. I yeah. have, I think I have a top five here of my favorite. Okay. And, and, and I want to, I want to tell our listeners, it's not the, the top five of all time. It's my yeah. favorite. So okay. get off my back. Right. It's, all right. Like, it, if I leave out Notting Hill, I don't want to hear about oh, it. Oh, okay? my Lord. Okay. Because I honestly can't remember if I've even seen that movie. Oh. But these five, I love a lot. Okay. So mine. Um, but I think maybe if you don't have a top five and I do, I might just throw them at you. And then you can react to them and say, well, that would not be in my top five because. Or, oh, I do like that one also. Yeah. And I do have, I did make up a list because I, I do like to uh, people please. So I can tell you what are at the top five of my list. Oh, okay. Yeah. All or right. you, you're like, I did make a list, but it's the alphabet. <laughs> yeah, alphabetized. So, um, but, but I started to wonder as I put together my list, uh, uh, genre got in the way because I was like, well, Ooh. is Groundhog Day a rom-com? They need to get together. But when I look at that poster, I think about Groundhog Day. I'm not thinking... This is going to take me on that roller coaster, that emotional roller coaster we talked about. Mm. I'm more about the conceit of like, oh, my gosh, this guy has a lot to figure out with this repeated day. Mm -hmm. Not just will he get the girl. So I feel like it's not. I would say that it is because it gives you the happy ending, which it yeah. didn't need to. Like that movie could have gone a different way with the romance. Yeah. Um, and the only reason the Groundhog Day would not be in my top five because it's a near perfect movie is yeah. that horrible ending scene in the rain. Oh, remind me the horrible. Uh, oh, oh, oh. What, Angie what you, McDowell delivers the most poorly executed line of uh, uh, any entertainer ever. Um, <laughs> and she's standing, it's a pouring, it's a classic rom-com ending. She's standing in the pouring rain looking at um, Bill Murray and, uh, I wish I could remember the exact words, but she says something like, it's very Notting Hill, like I'm I'm a girl standing in the rain, loving you. It, <laughs> it ruined the whole movie for me. Oh my gosh, now I have to go see it. Uh, again, uh, I have seen the movie, guys. Uh, well, that, like, here's another one, Bridesmaids. Is Bridesmaids a rom-com? Because there, no. there is a Kristen Wiig and this guy, Chris O'Dowd, right? He, like, yeah, no. They get together. But I, it's more of a friendship movie to me. It, it's, a, it's a female ensemble comedy with a B story uh, that has romance. But, that's yeah. the, but the romance is not where the most comedy and the most relationship stakes are at. Yeah. That's I'm between gonna, I'm, the girls. I'm going to keep throwing these at you because yeah, I have a list. Uh, this is my big question mark list. Yeah. Uh, cra crazy Rich Asians. Is that oh, a rom-com? Absolutely, yes. Yes. It's all, it is all about a wedding or it is all about. Yes. It, it felt so much like a fish out of water culture shock comedy to me. Well, yeah, I mean, definitely that can add to the rom-com. Quite often, I would say, you know, like Splash is a rom-com that's right. literally fish out of water. But yeah. um, no, Crazy Rich Asians, 100% rom-com, wish fulfillment uh, along the lines of, you know, uh, pretty woman as far as you know cinematography of sweeping 
gorgeous, rich people looking beautiful and then their romantic relationship being at stake and can she fit in with his family? Is he telling the truth to her? Oh, no, it's great. It's a perfect rom-com. Really enjoyable. Which, which is interesting because you could almost say Crazy Rich Asians is, is kind of a companion film to uh, My Big Fat Greek Wedding, which is another one where yes. we kind of know these guys are already having a relationship. I, I, that didn't make my list because I thought, I'm, I'm not watching Big Fat Greek Wedding to see if they get together. It's more about the perils of having a wedding with your crazy family. I don't know that that's rom-com. That's a, that's a good point. I, I and I think um, Big Fat Greek Wedding isn't really a rom com. It's a like a it's more like a family comedy. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, but, here's one that that I, I was just uh, running around on the internet seeing what other lists were like. Somebody had Princess Bride on a rom com list. I know, I know. I saw that too, and. I mean, yeah, uh, they kind of have a meet cute, it, which is the moment when where she realizes what yeah. as you wish means. But if that's you, like the first 10 minutes of the movie. Yeah, like, yeah. And then it's them being together and trying to stay together, which I feel like the genre, which is the fairy tale kind of, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Uh, not a spoof, but like, you know, it's a riff on every fairy tale mashed into one movie. It feels like that is that is you know I don't know that we all think about we think about that they love each other but, mm-hmm. but the rom com of it all I know kind of pretty quick I know I I agree that's like right on the edge uh, I you could probably put it in the in the rom com category but it's more okay. just like a straight up romance comedy now I'm genuinely going to ask you on this one because and we'll get to to a, a list where I get really serious about my five but I, this was on my five and then I just knocked it off because I was like. I love Jerry Maguire, but is that film, I mean, we remember big moments in that film of You Complete Me, Mm. and you had me at Hello, Mm. but when I think about the whole movie, it's like his life journey to, it's more of his character development, and she's part of it? Yeah, no, I'm with you. No, that's, I would not categorize that as a a rom-com. It doesn't meet the criteria, but it's a... It's just a good movie that has romance and genuinely comedic moments in it, but yeah, it, it's uh, yeah, it's not a ABC rom com for sure. All right, all right, I'm going to get into my top five. <laughs> okay. and if this actually creates a top top five for you, uh, uh, that'd be great. But if not, you just bounce off of this. Now, I had to go back in time a little bit for this one. I, I had forgotten about it. Um, this stars Steve Martin. And he twists a classic, very old love story. My number five is Roxanne. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, yeah. Um, yes. I liked but did not love that movie. Uh, yeah, it, do- it doesn't float up to the top of like, I remember it all the time. Yes. But I was a big, I am always a big Steve Martin fan. And I think when it came out, it said to me, Oh, look, the dopey looking but very smart and witty guy gets the girl. Yes, yes, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's so funny that that movie gets remade every 10 years or so, the Cyrano story. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, it's kind of like a nobody can be a somebody. It's, it's almost layered on top of the, the rom-com part. Right, right. It was just redone, like, really recently. Like, last year a movie came out. Wasn't it yeah. Peter Dinklage? Yep. 
Yep. Yeah. And yeah. So his his uh, deficiency, I guess you'd call it in that, is that he was shorter than most people. Right. His nose was average size, but yeah. his body was not. Yeah. That's um. I yeah. I would say that's a that's a rom com for sure. Yeah. And honestly, it's a pretty gentle movie. Like when you think of Steve Martin with a big nose, you would think that's a pretty broad comedy. But it's of all his movies, it's it's probably one of the most uh, real and gentle and and. Uh, uh, you know, more grounded. Yeah. I, but when I saw the posters and the trailer, I was like, how is he going to pull this off? Because that is clearly <laughs> a comedy nose. There's like, there's no human alive <laughs> that you'd be in the Guinness book with that. Right. Yeah. And why hasn't he had a nose job at this point? <laughs> um, anyway, well, that's my number five. Now, number four is much more recent. Okay. And what's funny to me is we've just argued about, you know, what is a, what is a classic case of a rom-com and what is not. And I, I realized that a few of mine on my top five are kind of like challenging or playing with the genre. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so m- my number four is uh, Will Smith's movie Hitch. Love it. Love it. Hitch. Love Hitch. Um, Hitch, please. As I like to say, <laughs> um, uh, because I think it, it, it's, it's, it is a rom-com. But Absolutely. Also a cynic, who is toying with the very nature of romance. And he's uh, cynically kind of almost like a scientist or a chemist of like, I've just, I've broken it down. Here's how it works. And so he's almost like, it's almost like it's outside of itself saying, guys, a rom-com is really silly and it can be fabricated. And then he ends up, you know, getting swept up himself. And that's what I liked about it. You know, um, the, it, it was so here, here's the th- here's one of the toughest things about rom-coms, and I've been through this with w- ones that I've written, and um, even with blended getting made. It's like casting is everything. Mm. It's just everything because if your two leads don't have chemistry, you you don't have a rom-com. You know, you have two people walking. You have a mildly amusing movie. I think that's part of my problem with Roxanne. I, ah. I, I never bought the chemistry. I never really, you know, fell into it. Well, I mean, Will Smith and Eva Mendez in Hitch are stunning together. They just sparkle on the screen to me. Like, I believed their attraction. And yeah. also the chemistry between Will Smith and Kevin James. Yeah, you kind of get two rom-coms for the price of one in this you, movie. You do. and But I just mean their their buddy chemistry was... It was yeah. amazing. It was so good. And it was it was honestly funny. I laughed out loud so many times at that movie. I saw it again not too long ago and it, it held up for me. Like it uh, and yeah. if you if you don't have fantastic actors who get the spirit of the characters that they're playing cuz they're not usually playing like super it's not character work. It's, you know, um but it's if they get the spirit of the character that they're playing, whether they're a little more uptight, because you know classically rom-com, one of them's uptight and one of them's a free spirit. Yeah. Um, and if they can catch the spirit of that and play off of each other, then you know, come on. And they get that. There's so much comedy in that. The dance when he's teaching Kevin James how to dance. Right. And he smacks him across the face and says, "Do not do that again." <laughs> and then when he kicks Eva Mendez off the are they on a boat and he swings they're on jet skis they're on jet jet skis skis. and he swings his leg and just literally (laughs) clocks her across the face and she played it beautifully i mean that movie is a shining example to me of all who directed that all the things coming together 
Um, yeah, isn't that sad? I don't know. I I should I should really know that. Uh, as much as I, it's a very rewatchable movie too. In that, yeah. when, it, when it comes on uh, cable every once in a while, you know, I'm just like, oh, I, I'll end up watching 20 yeah. minutes of it before yeah. I know what's happened. Yeah. Um, and also, I think it's too. You, you, you talk about the two leads being charismatic and everything, and and but they're also the characters they play are both highly uh, intellectual cynics, and they're like, you're not going to get me. Yeah. Um, so they've met they've met their match in each other. Yes. And they spar in every scene. And it's so well written, like neither of them comes across as dummies. And if, unless I'm remembering incorrectly, I don't remember any really forced misunderstandings, you know? Right. Except for like, there, there is that, that moment at the end. And I talked a little bit at the front of the show about confusion. You can just mm -hmm. take, take information away or confuse your characters. And there, there are frustrating moments in every rom-com. Mm -hmm. And I would say he sees uh, her with this uh, handsome guy. And it's kind of after they've had a falling out. And he's like, no. And it's like, oh, it's my brother. Oh, yeah. Right. yeah, That old trope. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then she's always are... like hanging out with her brother. Oh, yeah, yeah. Rom-coms <laughs> are very, very uh, trope forward. <laughs> now, you mentioned bad bad casting. Now I'm trying to think of like, what's, what's the most miscast uh, rom-com that you can remember? I'm trying to think of some. But we probably blotted them out of our minds. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I would have to, to think all the, the wrong. I will give you that on Roxanne. I, you know, I was probably more just watching to see how uh, Steve Martin would hold his own against um, a bunch of bullies and a lot of the scenes, but yeah, it's hard to really go with that, that he and uh, Daryl Hannah are going to end up together. Yeah. Just, and sometimes you, I, I don't think that you like it can, just seem great on paper, but you can't, you know, yeah. you don't know till they're there in the room playing off each other. If it, you know, like if you're the director. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Uh, I, it would scare me if I had to direct a rom-com because of that moment of like, you got to know, I don't know. It's like, a, it's hard to analyze chemistry. Um, you know, I, I would be scared. I'm like two months into the film and I'm like, Oh no. Yeah. What can you do? Yeah, I know. Well, this is, uh, I, I have a number three on this list okay. that it is, uh, I, I totally forgot about it. I had listed like 20 films that I was moving around and then I just saw an image from it the other day and I'm like, oh my gosh, uh, you talk about good chemistry and good casting. Um, it's very, uh, I, don't, I guess it's not that recent of a movie, but it did put Ryan Reynolds back on the map with the proposal. So good. So good. That's another one when it's on TV. My wife and I will just have to stop and watch it. We yeah. can't not watch it. Yeah. Yeah. Great casting. They, you totally want them to get together. Also, you know, per, it's a perfect rom-com formula all the way through. And then what we super enjoy is, you know, America's Sweetheart playing the, you know, masculine character you know, yeah. she plays the horrible boss who is, and he plays the sort of, usually who the woman would be sort of sensitive. He's the one like when there's that scene where she goes in to um, fire the guy at the beginning. And so Ryan Reynolds is Sandra Bullock's assistant and she's going in to fire somebody. Um, yeah. so, and she brings Ryan Reynolds with her. And she's just so on top of it and she plays it so well, but she walks into his office and she, and, and I know the, the actor who played the guy, Asif Manvi played the fellow who's getting fired and uh, he does it so well too. 
but um, she's so like on point and she does nothing wrong, but it's just so cold. And Ryan Reynolds, who is the man is noticing like, oh my gosh, the door is open. Other people can hear what she's saying. Like he's being thoughtful and like, how can I treat this other person as a human while she is just treating him like chattel and firing him and telling him to get out of her. It's like, it was such a beautiful introduction to the, the way the two characters, their, both of their worldviews. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and as I've said on some of these on my list, they are um, playing with the genre and um, um, twisting the genre. This is more of a classic. Yeah. It is just a classic straight by the numbers. Yeah. Uh, which would, which you think that would mean that it's boring, but it's just, it's just, it's just a classic setup that they hate each other. Yeah. These two characters are so far apart. Then when I first saw it, I'm just like, I mean, I don't know how they're going to make me believe that they mm -hmm. get together at the end. Mm -hmm. um, and they just, uh, they do it. They pull it off. And I, and I, it, would you say, um, you know, when you look at your 110 page script, like they, they seem to wait a long time. They, they is what page is it? Or is it two thirds of the way through? Or is it so, so some of these rom-coms halfway through? You're like, oh, they like each other. But the more successful ones, it seems like they hold off as long as they can and, and they make them feel as negative as they can towards well, each other. I think you have to have, and I'm not even sure the proposal does this, but I, I think usually what you have, you have a few sparks and a few moments of humanity between the two of them. It's like, oh, I, he actually was nice there. Or, oh, she's actually not, you know, that bad or whatever, you know, like a couple of moments before they break down into... I'm starting to have feelings for you. And it, and quite often, and the proposal does this too, it's like we're forced into a situation to pretend we have feelings and like they're, they're forced into a kiss by Betty White. Oh, you're right. And that, that, that is a trope that, that really works is like they, there's a deception they have mm -hmm, to play. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm going to, what was the one where it was like, um, I can't buy me love, I guess, you know, it's like, oh, you got to yeah. pretend to be my girlfriend, but in the pretending, that's how we know that habits are formed. And that's how we know real feelings come out. Oh my gosh. You know, the, uh, always be my, maybe, is that what it's called? Oh like, yeah. I did enjoy that. I think that was, yes. Uh, like, yes. Uh, with Ray, was it Ray Park and, uh, oh gosh, I can't think of her name right now. It was good. Yeah, and they, but they they did that really well. And um, Jennifer Aniston and Paul Rudd did made a movie like that where he pretended to be her um, fiance <laughs> for a holiday back home. Like all these, yeah, um, it's a good trope. But again, to me, fully comes down to casting because I don't. I'm not sure any other actress could have really pulled off. Very few, not none, but very few actresses could have pulled off. Like we bring such goodwill to Sandra Bullock. She walks on screen. We already love her. And if she's being kind of bitchy, we're like, oh, Sandra. Oh, Sandra. <laughs> oh, my We gosh. know you'll come around. Yes. So if it's an actress that we hadn't recognized, it'd be much tougher. You yeah. know? So, and they know that when they're making the movie, it's like, okay, we've got to cast somebody that people will hate right away, you know, or will love right away, you know, like, cast a hateable person in the lovable role or vice versa, you know. Um, right, right. The, the proposal would not have been as good with two other actors. And it, they all, they had chemistry. They're, they're smart people. It comes across that they're smart. And then, of course, the proposal, also super smart side casting. Mary Steenburgen, Betty White. 
Craig oh, T. Yeah. Nelson. Was that uh, the start of the Betty White um, um, resurgence? The Betty Betty White Assance? What would we call it? It, it might have been. It might have been. Yeah, she was so good in it. Yeah, I think that that was when that was like everybody kind of remembered how funny she is. And she did like 10 more years of work after that. I think you're doing right. Doing that kind of role where she's kind of a battle axe uh, that is funny. Yeah, yeah. yeah. When she's um, trying to find uh, Sandra Bullock's boobs in the wedding dress. <laughs> <laughs> you're right, right. So funny. Oh, and my it, gosh. There's so much physical comedy in that, too. So much. And it's not just that it's funny. It's sort of on theme. It's like, where's your womanliness? You know, like rom-coms are at their best when the, like those layers are being, you know, troped out for us. You know, like the writers quite often know what they're doing with that. Like the, the um, pranks and the, the pratfalls quite often are reinforcing the theme you know yeah like yeah. where's her heart where's her softness Where, you know that's good that's yeah. good that's something to remember is like uh even if there's this paint by numbers that we feel like we know the rom-coms uh, oh i know they're gonna i know he's gonna have to run to the airport yes but why or what what is or is he there's always like something that that they have never done that now they're finally going to do for the other person yes that and it's but it's in their character it's something you've set up um and then it means more well the ticking clock thing is very important for us in rom-coms yeah and, and i think that it's also psychological i mean i think that it's literally you know our um, for fertility ticking clock, you know, it's like, there's only so much time for couples to find themselves and have their babies. I mean, there is a ticking clock in life and we all feel it. And when you're single, you feel it. And so the ticking clock in rom-coms being, you know, she's at the airport and he'll never see her again, or, you know, she's what it's like, those are important. And I think they, I think we on a level, like it hits our gut, you know, especially because the people who love rom-coms the most are in their 20s and 30s and 40s, you yeah. know? And that ticking, whatever that situation is, in, in, in real life, you know, we, we all know people who have been dating for five years and it's like, guys, you're going to get married or not. Or, um, mm -hmm. or two friends that have known each other for a long, long time and, 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 and you, need that, you need that ticking clock. You need that something that's going to force a life decision. Yeah, yeah. Although and my, my, my number one takes place over decades, so. Uh, <laughs> okay, all right. Um, but my number two, I think, I think you'll agree. I, I don't Now I'm just going through my list, but like, have I hit anything that you said you had a potential list? Have I hit anything yeah. on your list? Um, you know, Hitch is on my list and then I have some very old ones and then I do have my absolute number one. Oh, we gotta, I will stop for that. Uh, when we get up there. Okay. Um, um, are there any others? Uh, well, I'm going to say this. Okay. Cause I'm okay. at my number two and it goes way back in time. But I'm I'm starting to wonder now if this with our opening discussion of what is a rom com and what mm -hmm. is not. Right. You may tell me this is not a rom com. Um, this almost got onto uh, Josh Green and I talked about our favorite movie duos, and this almost plays like a buddy comedy less than a than a romantic comedy. Uh, but I I will watch this movie a hundred times, and so I wanted it on my list here. Number two is His Girl Friday. Oh my gosh, so good. Oh my goodness. So but good. is the romance the driving force of the film? Would you think of it as a romance? I think of it as a romantic comedy, but it's really a workplace 
kind of buddy comedy. And Josh kind of blew my mind when he looked up some some details on it and said, you know, this was originally written for two men just as buddies. And one buddy is trying to get the other one not to leave the newspaper. But the <laughs> romantic right. layer becomes a bigger driver, I think, in the film. Boy, that is a good question of whether that's a rom-com. It's definitely one of my favorite films. And I didn't think of it when I was thinking about rom-coms. Um, I just I mean, started thinking about a man and a woman sparring with each other. Like yes. verbally, emotionally mentally trying to get each other's goat and these two kind of like personify that for me well, i mean I, I i went on the internet and uh on my social media and i asked people you know to to chime in and i did get a lot of it happened one night uh but mm -hmm, i I, mm -hmm. I don't remember that film as much as this one which i go back to again and again but i just love dialogue and I love the wit of it. So I just kind of selfishly put it on here as, yeah, sure, it's a rom-com. Yeah, you know what? I, I think you could get away with it because, you know, they uh, are clear. They clearly have feelings for each other. Um, they clearly have an obstacle in getting together in that she's going to marry someone else. Um, and they do go through, like, an adventure sort of together um but i mean emotionally together even though she's sort of running off um chasing down the story um and then they do end up together so i yeah i think you could squeeze it in there to rom-com it's they don't pull each other close and kiss at the end like you know a lot of these right 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 well, yeah. and, and, and is she is the pull that she is, I guess not a workaholic, but she loves the chase. She loves the hunt. Or is it being with him? I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm on the fence about whether it's even a rom-com, but I, I love it. I uh, know. It, it. Well, and again, it's casting. The, the way that they play off each other. And, you know, it's sort of like that um, Catherine Hepburn, Spencer Tracy, the, yes. way, the way that their pattern could just go so quickly. There was just something about the two of them. You know, and it's funny because they definitely did rom-coms. Um, but when you think about classic older uh, sparring couples, you know, like um, um, <laughs> who are the couple from the Maltese Falcon? Um, oh, Humphrey Bogart and Audrey Hepburn. Not Audrey Hepburn. Um, no, she's. Uh... <laughs> oh, wait, wait, wait. Ilsa. You mean like yes. Casablanca? And... Yes. Uh, no. Um, the tall, oh my gosh, I need my internet with me. But anyway, they, they didn't do rom-coms. They did um, rom-roms <laughs> <laughs> or rom-mysteries or rom-action. Um, but it was all, it was all casting. And, and you know how back in the day, if an actor and an actress had that kind of chemistry, the studio just kept putting them in movies together because it was hard to come by. And then we did that with... Um, Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan, of course, for yes. rom-coms. Yes, and I think that, you know, with the film that you had written that uh, uh, Sandler and Drew Barrymore are in, they've done so many of these because it's hard to find the chemistry. And once you do, you're like, well, let's do a few of these. Yeah, we didn't write it for them, but um, yeah. they found it. Yeah, I mean, I think you just kind of, you think, well, what's, who is the chemistry couple that's going to really help help this? Right. And then again, you know, that brings me to the point, too, of um, the director is really important because there's definitely things in Blended that I wish had gone a different way that was more from the director's eye, you know, uh -huh. 
so it's kind of interesting the whole it's a whole chemistry just like a, a romance the whole movie crew has a chemistry that happens on the set too but that's yeah, fascinating i'll give you my girl friday okay thank you for giving me that <laughs> um and before we get to our number ones i'm i'm i had a bunch of honorable mentions that i don't think they're in our top five but i thought as we're talking about these i i had a lot of people on uh, my Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, just chime in about these. A lot of people uh, remember uh, Pretty Woman in Notting Hill. Those are mm -hmm, pretty classic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, Sleepless in Seattle and You've mm -hmm. Got Mail. We just talked about mm -hmm. uh, that couple. Classic. Uh, classic. Uh, I wanted to mention super recent, but to all the boys I've loved before, which I, I think that's for a younger audience, but I... I don't know of any other rom-com that's created like a franchise. I think there's like three of those movies. Yeah. And I loved it. And it's so classic. I can't believe how old fashioned those movies are in terms of the rom-com genre. I mean, they are, start off with a girl who's obsessed with romance and romantic fantasies in her mind, you know, and, and then she ends up sort of living it. Uh, also, I just have to say, just on a tangent about that movie, too, because I just thought it was so charming. She's so charming um, that uh, it was a, it was beautifully done of uh, the heroine's ultimate a absolute nightmare happening within, you know, in the first act where these letters, these private letters that she has written, um, yes. never meaning to send. Her younger sister sends them out to all the boys that she's had crushes on all her, all her life. So all these boys get to hear her unabashed heart of how she has felt about them at different times. And I mean, I, the, when I first watched that, I was mortified. Like, I think I started blushing in my chair. <laughs> I couldn't imagine anything that I would have hated more than for a boy to find out how I felt about him. You know, if it was a boy I thought was out of my league or whatever, I've just been so humiliated. And then like a very, very good rom-com script, you know, at, by the end, she's admitting two things. One, that was the best thing that could have happened to her rather than hiding in her room and mooning over them with never saying anything and never living the heartache along with the joys and the victory. And also, as her friend pointed out, it's like, if you never intended those letters to be sent, why did you uh, put their addresses on the envelopes? Yeah. You, you completely addressed them. And I feel like rom-coms do that with the characters. They reveal to them that what they have wanted all along, they have been working towards, they just didn't have the courage yet to do it themselves. They needed somebody to give them a little push, but it was all, it was already there in them. You yeah. Know? There's think, a certain amount of denial that we're all going through about what we yes, really want. Yes. Yeah. And that's what they get their eyes opened up to the most. Like usually both characters have their eyes open to who they are more so than who their partner is. You know, and I think we've just opened up a, a whole a portal here to oh. Netflix and other streamers in recent years, uh, I have been looking back to all the big theatrical um, romantic comedies that I remember from a few decades back. But but streamers have really opened up like uh, we can all uh, bemoan the fact that, oh, you know what? There's not a lot of romantic comedies in theaters. I think it's I think this is a good uh, week for us to do this show because um, um, oh, what is it called? Uh, Ticket to Paradise. 
Oh yeah, uh, right. George George Clooney and uh, uh, Julia Roberts, of course, a, another great couple with great chemistry on screen. Yeah. yeah. But they have done the impossible. They have brought the romantic comedy back to the big screen. So everybody's very excited about that uh, in the last couple of weeks that it has done so well because what we've seen in the past three years is uh, even in the past 10 years, you know, there's very few of these that make it to the screen now and that Netflix, you know, you can go down the Netflix uh, rabbit hole and, and find a hundred of these mm-hmm. um, kind of paint by numbers, very mm-hmm. comfort food mm-hmm. movies. Yeah. There are dozens of them with like young, you know, college age and teenage heartthrob characters, um, you know, and they don't, and they don't have to be big box office hit box office hits. They can be, you know, the comfort food that you go to Netflix for. And I think that that's where a lot of them have gone. They have. um, And I agree with you. I think it's exciting that they're coming back. I think, again, Sandra Bullock and Channing Tatum um, just had a big hit with theirs, too. But I, you know. Lost City. Lost City. But I think that um, it has to be more than comfort food for it to make anybody's list or to bother getting them out of the theater. There has to be, and it's in the, it's in the execution. It's in the casting, but it's also in the writing of, are you drilling down on the theme? And is that theme being explored to its ultimate, to its opposite, and then back to its new ultimate, you know, and it's the perfect sort of, thesis, antithesis, and synthesis. I mean, rom-coms are that exactly. Here's Harry Met Sally, perfect. Um, The thesis is uh, men and women can't be friends, or you know, and then the antithesis of that is that he falls in love with his friend, Sally, and they sleep together and then he freaks out. Um, and then the synthesis is like, oh my gosh, I can be in love with my best friend. Yeah. Can I have the best of both worlds? Is this, it seems too good to be true to him. Um, no, I think it's, it's more crude than that. I, which is kind which is what makes it fun and what works. It's just like, you know, ro- uh, romantic relationships are sexual. Yeah. That, and that's all they are. That's his premise, right? right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, and actually his premise is that all male-female relationships are sexual. You can't remove it. Yeah. So if you have a friendship, you, you know, it's, it's, I mean, then they explore it and they explore it in the couple that are their friends. Like every aspect of the movie is constantly exploring that question. Yeah. Yeah. And well, um, I, I was going to say, as we continue to talk about this movie, I want to ask if you have a number one you want to share because we are yeah. sliding into my number one You're, right now. Okay. You want me to it, tell you my number one? Yeah, please do. It's Moonstruck. Oh, okay. I had that on a list. I did. I, I'm not as familiar with that movie, so it didn't make my list, my particular list. It's a perfect movie. And as you know, Corey, um, I am a sucker for uh, any film that is directed by Norman Jewison. <laughs> who right. is a fantastic director, but Moonstruck is, and you know, it won all kinds of Oscars. Um, a, a romantic comedy. It won, it won Cher an Oscar for the lead role. It won Olympia Dukakis an Oscar for supporting role. It won for the screenplay that year. I mean, it's a, a romantic comedy, but it was that good. You know, um, it is, and talk about theme, man. It just goes into, it, it's so specific 
and it is so small. It's about the small Italian um, neighborhood in New York, um, and it stays there. There's no sweeping across the lands of this great world or, you know, like there's no don't go to Paris. Airports. They do not go to Paris. It is so specific and it's specific to um, Italian American, like it's really sort of in that chewy ethnic, their superstitions, their views of love. It's a full moon. The Bella Luna brings the woman to the man. Um, love is a wild thing that cannot be tamed. Um, and love is what makes everything worthwhile. And there's just so many great lines in it. So basically, the, the movie's about this woman, Cher, who's been widowed and believes that her husband died because their marriage was cursed because he never got down on one knee and they got married at City Hall. She did, she did it wrong, you know, um, and she will never uh, make that mistake again. She's dating this really sort of boring, a very perfect rom-com thing. She's dating kind of a boring man. He's not good enough for her. Um, he's not a bad man, but he's just, there's just nothing to him, but he's safe. And he asks her to marry him. And, you know, to our dismay, she says yes, but he has to fly to Italy to get his mother's approval. She's on her deathbed. Um, everything is funny in it, everything all the time. And she has to go and invite his estranged brother to their wedding and she goes to meet the estranged brother and in the most beautiful casting of all time Cher meets Nicolas Cage <laughs> and we find out that he, <laughs> he's so over the top that he has um he blames his brother for he lost Nicolas Cage lost his hand and he has a wooden hand <laughs> I do remember that. I remember the wooden hand. Oh, it's and I so... remember her slapping his face and yelling, snap out of it. Yeah, when he tells her that he loves her. But yeah. let me tell you, the, one of the reasons this movie is so good, talking about the moon and the wolf and what love is and, you know, you can't settle. And um, at the end of the, or at the, near the end of the movie, um, she's yelling at the Nicolas Cage character. He's always blaming his brother for his hand because it was when his brother told him that, uh, it doesn't matter. I don't want to get into details, but he blames his brother for cutting off, getting his hand cut off. And she says to him, oh, and, and he blames his brother for losing. He was engaged to a woman and he lost that woman, you know, and he blames. So now he's like, now my brother's getting married. My brother has it all. And I don't have a bride. I have a wooden hand. And she says, you know, you're a wolf. You were engaged to the wrong woman and you chewed your hand off to get away. Oh, that's interesting. And it's so smart. Like the whole, and it, again, it's like all these little ways and all the side stories, the B stories, Olympia Dukakis's B story are all about what is, what is love worth? And it's worth everything is what the movie keeps saying. You know, and... I do remember that all the characters, so many of the characters, uh, I won't say broad, that's a negative word, but just very passionate, very so, opinionated characters. As, so big as in that neighborhood. So big. And yet, really, you're you're right. They are bordering on broad, but they're authentically it's Italian. Yeah. So it's very genuine. I, I highly recommend it. Totally holds up, hits every note of a rom-com, but does it in this just absolutely and it's casting. Cher and Nicolas Cage are so good at it. And uh, I mean, all the players are just A-list perfection. 
Um, so it, to me, has all the elements. It has depth and it's shot beautifully. Um, it's acted beautifully and it is just funny all the way through. And so just, I, I cry every time at the ending because everybody is there at the ending. The whole family witnesses everything falling apart and everything coming back together with the main characters. And you just want to be a part of that family. Yeah. It's been a while. And now your, uh, your review of it makes me want to go, go see it right away. Oh, do absolutely do it. Got to see it. Well, you know, I, I, I kind of, uh, um, segued you away from Harry met Sally discussion because, uh, we can talk about it now because that's my number one. Mm, when Harry yeah. Sally. yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. because it, 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 it flips end over end so many of the discussions of, of what is romance or why, why are men and women, uh, why are they at each other's throats? What do they want from each other? Do they just want sex? Um, you know, the ultimate would be to have a friend, but that's not possible. And just, just his cynicism and her, you know, the, the, you have the opposite you're talking about his yes. cynicism and her, um, belief in romance um but also belief in uh you know the, the the that relationship where you can be friends yes um and it and we talked about the ticking clock and this one has almost no ticking clock well i guess it does it has new year's eve new right year's eve, he, he has right. a reason to run you gotta you gotta <laughs> run somewhere so he runs to a party and it does have a great monologue at the end where he's like uh you know all the things he used to hate about her he loves about her yeah. uh she gets that little pinchy uh part of her forehead when she's confused and you right. know it goes on and on and on but it does span like decades and i don't know why rob reiner the director put those vignettes all through the movie i wonder mm -hmm. if it was a last end of the production idea but that there are these documentary style interviews with other couples there's mm -hmm. no real explanation or uh connection until it's, I think at the very end, you see Billy Crystal and Meg Ryan as one of those couples being interviewed. Right. But yeah. I think it, I like it as my number one because it does, it's like, I'm, it's, it's focusing on one relationship between these two people, but it also takes a big step back to like, what are we all doing with all our relationships? Um, we all have different ways we've met each other. And isn't it interesting that, you know, there, there are a lot of things that are similar, but, you know, we, we're all like such different uh, creatures, and mm -hmm. then we somehow meet each other. And these couple interviews were fun uh, to see throughout it, and it kind of gives you this global view of romance while you're watching this one couple. Well, and I think it really—he's so smart. He's such a great director. He he hammers home the theme of friendship. Like all those couples are clearly friends. They're yeah. not making out in those interviews. They were all talking about what they liked about each other or what, you know, like silly, annoying things. But, but mostly it was about how long they had been together. It was definitely showing the synthesis that the movie would come to, which is friendship is the uh, absolute anchor of any relationship, romantic or otherwise. And a little bit of a side note, uh, this introduced me to Harry Connick Jr. Uh, one of the few films where the director picked one music artist and said, I want you to do all the music. I want you to do all the pop songs, all the pieces of music I'm going to use for this movie. are going to come from one artist. And that kind of, that kind of gave it one musical uh, identity. Mm -hmm. um, so I can listen to that album and kind of live in the movie too. That's cool. The, the yeah. whole movie has kind of a melancholy fall kind of feeling to it. Yes. Well, you know, and I think that that movie really started uh, the tropes, like moving, you know, from the 80s forward into like the 90s heyday of, of uh, our rom-coms. 
um, that used like that did a lot of the old sort of Frank Sinatra music. I mean, Nora Ephron used that. Nancy sure. Myers uses it. And again, because rom-coms um, are safe, you know, the, and that kind of music makes us feel safe. Like there's not going to be any violent surprises in this time. It's like we're settling, <laughs> we're settling in. These movies are well-intentioned. Right, right. It's almost like, look, if you, if you come into this movie, you are going to get the, the, the kiss at the end. You are going to get yes. that feeling yes. you want. Yes. Um, so it, we can almost bear whatever uh, miscommunication or betrayal or deception that happens for 90 minutes. Yeah, well, we're there for it because we're, we know that the, it is a controlled chaos and it you know, will work out. You know, what's interesting is, you know, talk about um, some of these movies and, and, and I'll just bounce off of the Harry Met Sally conversation because it's about friendship. Mm -hmm. uh, but having just done a show about great movie buddies or movie duos, uh, some of the best uh, buddy comedies are like it's a it's a romance between two friends like Midnight Run or Lethal Weapon. Um you know, yeah. these two guys yes. are kind of hating each other to loving each other. Yes. And I feel like maybe good rom-coms are kind of like buddy comedies in disguise where they're forced to work together. They're forced to be together. I don't know. There, there's so many uh, similarities to those two. There's, Obviously, there's a big difference. But yeah, no, there's a lot of similarities in that. And, and then just to, to list off a couple of the other ones that I just really loved that yeah, have a lot do. of those elements like Bridget Jones Diary. Oh, yeah. I just, I, and again, it's casting and the intention of that movie was just to have a rollicking good time, you know, with vulnerability, you know, it's all about her constant vulnerability um, and the, you know, using the narration. So you get inside her head, which helps a lot, you know, Yeah, that, and that's a movie that, well, I haven't seen it a lot is iconic. I think everybody knows that movie. Oh, so it's so good. It's just really super enjoyable. And that also uses well, you know, her friends as like different aspects of her personality. Like she has these three friends that are all clearly different aspects of her that she needs to check in with. Like, how do I feel about this? And, you know, the softy and the harsh one and the crazy one, you know, it's like, yeah, oh, that's, that's so well done. Yeah. Um, also like an old one. And this is sort, this is, this goes into a little bit like what you're talking about. This is like a double rom-com, but it's, it's, more than a rom-com, but some like it hot. The old classic. Yeah, yeah. Billy Wilder movie with Marilyn Monroe and Tony Curtis and Jack Lemmon. Talk I about mean, a deception that they have to keep up. Oh my gosh, it's so good. And it's a double rom-com. And it's really the whole movie is about, I love you just as you are. You know, like, that's what it, that's what the ending is. I mean, it has the most perfect ending of all when, Jack Lemmon finally admits to his millionaire that he's a man. You know, <laughs> <laughs> the guy shrugs like, oh, nobody's perfect. It's like, yeah. it's like, I love you just as you are. Um, I love Some Like It Hot. It holds up for me every time I watch it. It doesn't feel like an old movie. You know, it just is like, oh, this is so relevant today. Um, and then an another movie that people don't talk about anymore uh, is called Ball of Fire. Huh. And it is Gary Cooper, like it's ancient, um, but it is so much fun. Gary Cooper and Barbara Stanwyck. And it was also turned into a musical called A Song is Born with, um, oh, now I'm not going to think of the actor. Uh, 
Virginia Mayo and Danny, like the dancer who was in Singing in the Rain that does all the physical. Donald, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Donald yeah. O'Connor. Yeah. Highly recommend complete rom-coms with a bumbling, fumbling professor and a hot jazz singer. And they get wow. thrown together. Um, and it's so sweet. I, I've wanted to remake it uh, a dozen times. It, it's about these professors who are trying to um, do an encyclopedia, but the world keeps moving too quickly. So it's these, <laughs> these old fuddy-duddies that are trying to write this encyclopedia. When they come to J for jazz, they've never even heard of jazz. So oh, they wow. have to go out and discover what's going on in the world. And so it, it is all about that you know, book life versus, you know, living your life, reading about the world versus living in the world, being vulnerable. Oh, so good. Anyway, I wanted to get those in there. Well, that's good. I mean, that's, uh, I, I have not heard of that film and it sounds like you should remake it because I, I, the, the things we need to remake are the ones that didn't really get their moment in the sun like they should have, or, or right. need to be remembered. Uh, we don't need to remake Casablanca, but but uh, you know right. this one sounds like we could put some uh, modern stars in it and and do it again. It could it could be done, and again because the story is authentic. Like I think people would relate to it just as much today. It's like will they be putting Wikipedia together? I guess. <laughs> right, uh, is that right? Right, that's how, that's what it would be about. Um, and do you, do you see this uh, genre showing any signs of, of slowing down? Or it seems like one that we'll always go back to. Things kind of come and go. The Western comes and goes. But I, the fact that rom-coms can be put inside another genre, it seems to be the way to refresh it all the time. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And I think people do have some fun, you know, playing with it, you know. Um, but... I think to do it classically anymore is kind of hard. I haven't seen Ticket to Paradise yet. Lost City managed to do it, but I think it's tough because we know it so well now. Like we really know what we're looking for. That's why people got tired of it. I, I don't blame us for being tired of the genre. Like I think, you know, it's like it would just have to be so well written and so well executed with the right stars to be a hit. Right. You know, because I think mostly rom-coms will be in another genre for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Lost City was even kind of a little bit of that, like, uh, I don't know. Uh, well, I, I mean, when I first saw the trailer, my wife and I were both like, oh, so it's a Romancing the Stone. I mean, yeah. that's what it is. Yeah, it um, is Romancing the Stone, which is great. Yeah. Yeah. And and but it, it felt almost like an old fashioned like Bogart and Hepburn yes. kind of adventure because they're in the jungle and all that stuff. So yes, yeah. yes, I think exactly. that when a genre gets tired, you just kind of mash it up with another genre. You can you dress it up a little bit. That's exactly right. Yep. Yes. Well, I think we've solved it. I think we've solved the rom com. <laughs> that was we've, super fun. We've made it relevant. Uh, <laughs> Um, hey, where, where can people find you if they want to find you? Uh, are you out on social media and those kind of things? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not as active as one might be, but um, I'm uh, on Instagram at my name, Claire Sarah. And um, I have my own silly little podcast called Expertise. Yes, we should definitely mention that. Where you are not an expert on whatever you're talking about, but you and Dano Sullivan, boy, you you will talk about any subject yes. as if you are experts. And yes. It's great. yes, yes, yes. All lies welcome. <laughs> but you did sound like an expert today. 
<laughs> yeah, this I actually do know about. I've spent way too many hours in the pages on rom-coms. That's great. That's great. All right. This was cool. Thank you for uh, roming through the comms with me. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for inviting me. That was I, really fun. One of my favorite things. Oh, thanks. You're always fun to talk to about anything. Well, that's it. That's our show. I'd like to thank my guest and co-host for this week, Claire Sarah, for getting down into the weeds on the rom-coms. Why do we love them? Why do we keep watching them? You know you're going to watch one this week, right? I hope we brought up one movie that you're thinking, I haven't seen that in a while. Hmm, maybe I should watch Moonstruck. Maybe I should watch Harry Met Sally. You're a sap and you know you want to do it, so do it. And hey, creatively, just remember, get out there. Don't be afraid to just know nothing, be confused, and chase that rabbit. Okay? And uh, we'll see you next time. Um, I'm Corey Edwards. Hey, you know what, friend? Thanks for stopping by.